Corinthians chapter 3. Let me go ahead and announce for the Bible class. We're going to go ahead and cancel the Bible class for Monday this week and Monday of next week and see how things get back to normal after that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I do appreciate those that come out, though, those that come out and uh, meet with uh, not only the congregation, but meet with the Lord. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I'll be in the midst. Amen. So I believe that uh, that the folks ought not to forsake the assembling of themselves together, as the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. Amen. The Lord will bless your faithfulness. I believe that. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning, we're going to start in verse 12. We're really going to cover the whole chapter, uh, which will be a miracle if I could do that in one service. But we're going to try to cover the whole thing here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now he starts it off, now if any man build upon this foundation, of course, you got to go back to verse 9 to cover that. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Year of God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon, or excuse me, thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you this morning for the opportunity to come into your house. And Lord, several weeks back, we might not have even uh, been mindful enough to thank you for the opportunity of meeting and gathering. But Lord, especially in this country and in other places, there has been a a great uh, fear. And Lord, even sometimes regulations made about gathering together uh, for fear of this virus and it is a fearful thing and it is uh, something that men's minds wonder about and and are fearful of but uh, we thank you oh God that you are the great physician we thank you God that this thing did not take you by surprise Right. And Lord, wouldn't surprise me at all if you caused it to happen, not, uh, not in your deeds, but in your judgment. And Lord, I certainly do, uh, Lord, humble myself to you and ask you for forgiveness of sins. Amen. Ask you to help me and strengthen Amen. me to become a better man, a better Christian, a better father. Amen. And Lord, I'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right, now chapter 3 starts off. In verse number 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So the chapter starts off with an, with a, with an encouragement, I think, for folks to get better in their spiritual life. He says, I can't really speak to you like spiritual people. I have to speak to you like carnal people. And just bringing it up tells me that he's telling them, hey, you need to do a little better. You need to uh, think about things a little bit and see where you are in your Christian life. See how you are in your Christian life. And there's no doubt in my mind that the rest of chapter 3 and on into 4 and the rest of the book itself deals with how to remedy this thing about being a carnal Christian. Uh, In other words, that just means a, a Christian that's captivated by the flesh. 
And I've said this many times, carnal can mean sinful because there's many carnal things that are sinful. But the word carnal itself does not mean sinful. It just means that somebody's paying attention to the flesh and they're living after the flesh and they're paying attention to things of the flesh. Now, if you want to get stuck in religious terms, you're going to have a hard time. Because we hear the word carnal, we associate that with sin, sins against God, carnal's all bad. But paying your bills is carnal. And sometimes it seems like the hardest people to get a message across to are the people that, that are so indoctrinated that they can't get past a term. And so th- that's not what you want. You want sound doctrine. Amen. Sound doctrine. Not just doctrine. You want sound doctrine. And in a sound doctrinal setting, the flesh is what you have. This is what you have to work with on a daily basis. If you're going to get up and go brush your teeth in the morning, that's carnal. And I recommend you indulge that carnal inclination. Amen? Uh, I recommend you indulge the carnal inclination to take baths and brush teeth and stuff like that. Do what you got to do, amen, in order to be presentable. Amen? The Bible says Jesus grew in favor with God and man. I recommend you do the same. Amen? Won't be nothing wrong with that at all. But once you once you recognize your need to improve as a Christian, well, these are going to be some things for you to consider, especially here while Paul is talking about it directly in chapter number three. So he says in verse number uh, one and two, he says, you're carnal. He said, you're not spiritual. I can't really feed you with meat, the stuff that will really uh, explain things to you. Strong meat in the Bible will explain things. It'll it'll help you see what's going on not only in your mind but in other people's mind. Strong meat gives you discernment. You can look at somebody and see what they're going through and maybe see their demeanor and see their disposition. You can say, well, this person is right about here on the scale of life. He's right about here on the scale of Christianity. And you can discern whether you're dealing with a wise man, a fool. You can tell if you're dealing with a carnal man or a spiritual you can tell whether you're dealing with a natural man or a deviant or a pervert these things become clearer uh, the more you're able to digest the strong meat of God's word because it, it the strong meat of God's word doesn't just say yes or no do or don't the strong meat tells you why and what's behind somebody's actions and what's going on in the in the human heart the bible says the heart is deceitful above all things yea desperately wicked who can know it i tell you who knows it god knows it god knows it the word of god knows it that's the thing that makes that's clear about the word of god the the bible says the word of god is is sharper than any two-edged sword but when it tells you that in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 it says it it divides asunder between the soul between the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit it separates carnal from spiritual it opens your eyes to a lot of things and it, it it's it it gives you a clear picture of what's going on not just in your life but in others as well but Paul said I can't do can't talk about those things with you because you're just carnal you and one of the biggest reasons he says you're carnal he gives you a few of them here he says for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are you not carnal and walk as men as long as you got envy and strife and divisions those are three great big indicators you're not very spiritual man and so you say well i'm supposed to be divided from the world but that's not what he's talking about he's talking about divided among yourselves as christians verse five who then is paul 
Uh, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. One of the sure signs of a of a of an unspiritual or a carnal Christian is uh, I follow this fella. I follow this fella right here. This is my favorite preacher, and I follow him. I follow. I stick with him. I really do. This. I, I mean, I believe everything he says, and I believe he's just the greatest man that's ever opened the Bible or preached a sermon. That's a sure sign you are a carnal individual. Amen. Sure sign. A sure sign. And the rest of the chapter really explains that. He starts with. Paul and Apollos and the divisions and the separations among this Christian church here in Corinth. But he also ends the chapter that way. And so that lets me know that the, that the context of the chapter doesn't change. It's all the same. And so where we, picked up, where we picked up this morning in verse 12, he said, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones. Paul said, I preached the gospel. He said, I laid the foundation. And the foundation was Christ. He said, I preached to you the gospel. That's the gospel that you believed when you got saved. That's uh, Ephesians chapter 1. After you, after you heard the word of truth, after you heard the word of truth, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now you have a new life. You have a new direction. You have a new calling. Everything about you is new. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says you're a new creature. Everything's new. Amen. You start over. Amen. You don't get saved and keep living the life you was living. Amen. You don't get saved and keep living the life you was living. Uh, Christianity is not a, an adjustment. Amen. Christianity is not an adjustment. Christianity is, is being born again. You're somebody else than you were the day before that. If that person that you were didn't work, why keep trying to make it work? Amen. Getting saved, he said, well, Brother Mike, it was working. I just needed a little help. That's not salvation. Salvation is this isn't working. I need something else. And then the revelation of Jesus Christ coming to that. That revelation of Jesus Christ coming in for that rescue is the foundation that Paul is talking about here. He says, now, no other foundation, can, uh, uh, no, uh, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, you got saved yesterday or last year or last month or whatever the case might be, now you begin building something new on top of the foundation, on top of Jesus, on top of Christ, on top of what God has done for you. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. He says, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. Now, this is, a, this is the passage of Scripture where people teach on the judgment seat of Christ. And you can go ahead and say, man, judgment seat of Christ, it's a real thing. And there is going to be a real judgment that takes place for Christians. There's no question about it. But in order to make this the judgment seat of Christ, which I have no problem with, you've got to do a couple of things. You've got to define a couple of words. For the day shall declare it. What, what day is it? Well, the, the day of the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, you've defined it. Okay? You've got it defined. You've got it all down pat in your mind. One day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God's going to have this fire there and He's going to put all your works in the fire. If they last, good, wonderful, great, hallelujah. If they don't, you're going to suffer loss. And you got all that from private interpretation because it don't say the judgment seat of Christ. It says the day. Well, let me ask you this. What's wrong with today? If you'd slow down just a little bit, 
Amen. People always living in tomorrow, aren't they? But Jesus said, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. God said that. Well, if you would slow down a little bit, today would declare what kind of works you're building on the foundation. But people don't like to do that. People don't like to look at people. uh, This fellow over here said this. And I'm going to run with that. And I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. And hope it turns out right. That's not the way you're supposed to live a Christian life. Amen. Amen. Uh, For example, a fellow gets up and he preaches every week. And he goes to work and he fusses at all of his friends for not being Christians. Jesus didn't say go go into all the world and fuss at other people for not being Christians. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you let them do what they want to with that. And you be upset when they don't trust Christ. But them believing and them being happy and them following the Lord and them being filled with joy is not your responsibility. That's between them and the Word and the one who wrote the Word. Amen? But you go through your life and you preach your sermons and you witness your witness and you're the most bitter individual that there ever has been because nobody agrees with me. Well, see, what you're dealing with is right now, today, you could wake up to that fact. And today would declare your works. And once you work and it produces no joy, once you work and you get opposition and it produces no joy, the fire has burned up your works and it has revealed what kind of works you have. Well, preacher, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Because you're a moron. That's why. You're not listening to what's being said. You're just trying to defend a position. I I haven't disagreed with any position. I'm just giving you the real context of the chapter. The fact that it teaches over and above the context what's going to take place at the judgment seat of Christ. is it, It means nothing to you today unless you die today or the Lord comes back and brings us to the judgment today. Amen. And I've got, I got news for you. Your favorite preacher's doctrine is not going to take you through the judgment seat of Christ. Only what's written on the page. Amen. Only what's written on the page. So he says, the day shall declare. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare. it. And I, I, listen, I, I feel absolutely 100% safe in saying this. Is that many people woke up today. Let's just forget viruses and colds and let's forget all that for just a second if we can because it's not just today it was last Sunday and the Sunday before and every Sunday in January and every Sunday last year folks woke up with an attitude towards going to church or not Wednesday night service or not uh, going out and witnessing or not that attitude that you woke up declared a whole lot I'm not just talking about a fleshly tired and I'd rather be in bed because you presented with stuff like that on a regular basis. Well, my body's pretty tired. I'd rather stay in bed. But today's Sunday. Amen? Today's Wednesday. Uh, people got a whole lot of energy for softball games and stuff like that. No energy for Wednesday night service. Amen? It's just like a lot of people still got motivation for Walmart, but no motivation for church. You know, this virus thing's going around. Listen. S- 60 people are going to maybe show up today. It would be wonderful if the full crowd would show up. But about 60 people, 70 people, well, I don't know. We might have that in here. I don't know. I'm not a good counter. 
but they're going to come in here and leave and go home. But you go to a place like Walmart, 70,000 people have already been there and gone. And you're, at that point, you're catching it from the Dawn dishwashing soap. Hope I don't get sued by them. But you're catching it off of stuff at that point. At least in here you can like, uh, you know, if somebody sticks out their hand, you can swat it with the Bible or something. And <laughs> you can say, I'm sorry, I'd rather not do that. And pretty much stay to yourself even in a crowd. But... The, the attitude behind that is, is you can go to Walmart and you can go to, you know, the Jiffy Lube and you can go to all these different places and you're not going to get hurt by going to church after that. <laughs> but the day declares it. Amen? The day declares it. And even if they make laws that say you can't come to church, I'm coming anyway. You can all stay home if you want to, but I'm coming. Amen. 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 You say, why? Because the Bible says not to forsake it. There's no clauses. There's no Santa clauses. There's no clauses. There's no clauses underneath that that says that, you know, unless, just in case. That's right. Amen. That's just the way that it is. And that... I'm a, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried more so than about a virus is that the the cool temperature that Americans have right now about being told what to do in regards to religion. I'm a little I'm a little bit I'm a little bit disturbed by that because there was a time man even as near as maybe the 50s and 60s where if you would have told Christians not to congregate. They would have called for your dismissal from office right there today. This is none of your business. And listen, if I want to go out in public and catch a virus, it's none of your business. That's right. Amen. If I'm dumb enough to go out and shake Brother Ken's hand and catch the virus, that's my business. It's my business. That's good. Amen. Amen. If you don't want to catch it from me, don't shake my hand. Don't breathe in my face. Amen. Well, it just it's a little indicator. The day declares things. The day declares it. You ever heard the statement of somebody might say it like this? It's just the times we live in. Or they say it this way. This is just a sign of the times. Well, every day that you live is a sign of the times. If you say, well, I should read my Bible today. This is how I build on the foundation. Jesus Christ saved me. I have a, I have a foundation. Uh, other foundation can no man lay. The Bible says this, this is my new foundation. It's solid. It's strong. It's everlasting. And today I build on that, on that foundation by reading my Bible. Yeah. Or not. Amen. The day declares it. That, that's a declaration right there. And if you build without it, you're going to suffer loss. Wood, hay, stubble, all that stuff burns up. The, the illustration in the chapter is very easy to see. Gold, silver, precious stones, that doesn't burn up. The gold and silver just gets better the more you burn it. Amen. Read your Bible, go through hard times. Read your Bible, go through hard times. Read your Bible, go through hard times. It gets better and better and better. It's joy unspeakable. That's why it's joy unspeakable. You read your Bible, you pray, you get close to God, things get bad, things get rough, temptations and trials come, your joy gets stronger. Amen. 
How do you explain that? But you say, what's happening? Daily, your gold is being melted, your silver is being melted, and it comes out better the next day. This, this stuff is true. Uh, this stuff is wonderful. This stuff's worth shouting about. Amen. Well, that begins to live a life two or three weeks in a row like that. You begin to become a different person. Because the day is revealing something. Amen? It's something's being made manifest. He said, if, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. And chiefly to you. Chiefly to you. But you have to be honest enough to accept the manifestation. It's like somebody seeing a ghost. I don't believe what I just saw. Well, of course, there's no such thing as ghosts. You understand that. But people get in one of these spooky uh, situations. I can't believe what's going on here. I've seen a couple of things in my life that I thought to myself, I can't believe I just saw what I saw. And the mind kind of just rejects it a little bit. But when you get the Christian life actually working like it's supposed to, it will manifest itself to where you'll see it chiefly and other people will see it as well. Now the opposite is true as well. You build on the foundation, the wood, the hay, and the stubble, and everything keeps burning up. People are going to see it. You come to church every Sunday, preacher, I'm just so disgusted. Well, of course, the preacher cares. Preachers understand. Preachers want to help you get past that point. But also the preacher sees, or whoever you're complaining to sees, this guy's, this, the work that this person's doing as a Christian is getting burned up on a daily basis. There's no, there's no dividing line that says this person's able to handle things and this person isn't. This is a strong person and this is a weak person. All people are weak. All people are weak. And the only way to survive a Christian life is through Christian strength. And that Christian strength is spirituality. A very weak-minded man can, can be strong in the Lord. A very weak-minded man can be strong. Every weak-minded man in the building ought to be saying, ah, that's right, preacher, that's right. Of course, you don't say it too enthusiastically because you'll be outed. Amen. But I can say uh, with, uh, with as much enthusiasm as anybody, weak men can be spiritually strong. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's the gold, the silver, and the precious stones being built on the right foundation. That's what a lot of people read the Bible. They're not on the right foundation. And therefore they come up with crazy stuff like the devil and God are... Uh, the devil and Jesus are brothers. And, 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 you know, somebody was talking yesterday. I wasn't in the conversation, but I overheard it. And uh, the, the conversation was about somebody that said, God told him X, Y, Z. Doesn't matter what the conversation was about. But God told him. Whenever I hear somebody say, God told me, I turn them off usually right there. Because they're usually not going to quote a verse of Scripture after that. That's yeah. right. If God told you, He told you in the Scripture. That's right, man. Amen. And I, I don't, I don't really like to be a skeptic, but I'm usually a skeptic about everything. Somebody says God called me to be an evangelist. Where? Amen. Well, where's your name? God called me to be, you know, go to Kenya as a missionary. Hard. I can't find Kenya in the Bible. How did he tell you this again? Well, God gave me this verse. Okay, I read the verse. There's nothing about Kenya in that verse. 
You say, well, Brother Mike, that's the way I do things. Listen, that's the way you want to do things. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, a lot of people say God told me to do something. So, I suppose probably somewhere there's a fellow that said, God told me to leave my wife. Yeah, yeah which chapter? Amen. 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 And that stuff's that stuff's just going to burn up. It's going to burn. You know what you should do if you feel like you're called to preach or pastor or go to Kenya. You know what you should do. You should do it by faith. Amen. Now the just shall live by faith because all of us are called. Amen. And I've got scripture for that. Romans chapter one. You are all the called of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you. Amen? Is that true or ain't it? So the particular field that you work in, sure, God's got providence. God providentially can lead you and guide you and all these things. But make sure when you're, when you're building or when you're using God's tools to build, make sure you're building on the foundation. There's many lost people that are preaching. Many lost people that have started religions. Many, many lost people that are using the Bible to make a million dollars every year. All you got to do to, find, to do that is be a halfway decent businessman and find a little niche to grab onto. Amen. Because you're very tolerable people. I, well, no, no, tolerant. You might not be tolerable. So other people might not be able to deal with you, but you're very tolerant. You, you suffer fools gladly seeing you yourselves are wise. Amen. Somebody comes along and gives you a pitch, you'll follow right along in it. Yeah. I'm smarter than this guy. I could have figured that out. Well, why didn't you? You just found something to latch on to. That's all. You're the new Christian fad. Amen. That's what stuff usually turns out to be. Somebody's going to come in with the next couple of months with some study program they bought offline. And they'll say, hey, preacher, I think we ought to really institute this. We will as soon as we get done with this one. Amen? Amen. It, it happens over and over and over. I, I haven't lived forever. I intend to live forever, but I haven't lived uh, since forever past. But, you know, I see the stuff come in. Usually when I see it come in, I don't have time for it. This is the, great, this is the greatest street preaching series ever. This will really happen. I don't care about that. I don't care about it. The new Christian movies, don't care about it. Don't care about it. There might be a good one out there. But I'm just saying that that's not what I'm trying to, that's not how I'm trying to build my Christian life. Don't build your Christian life with movies or dramas or new Christian fads or any of that stuff. Not going to do that. You say, why? Because that stuff will get burned up. Amen. You're going to get to heaven, you're going to find out that God expects a long, slow-paced attention span from his believers. He starts out, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's a 2,000-year-old program, and he expects it to still be implemented. Well, we need something fresh. You've only been alive for 20 years, you dunce. I, I hear young people that are not even 25 years. We've been singing these hymns for 2,000 years. Really? <laughs> oh. 
Does that make sense to anybody but me? These hymns have been around a long time. Sure they have. But you've only been around 12 years. The, the stuff in those hymns are still good. Amen. They're fresh. Amen. Amen. But you want to build on that other stuff because it's carnal. It sounds like Michael Jackson's bass line put underneath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Just listen. Just go listen to the rap. You hear me? That's what's in your heart. Just go listen to the heavy metal or whatever it is you're trying to hold on to. Amen. When you try to kill somebody, somebody's trying to take that spot. You understand? You understand what's going on? When somebody murders somebody else, they're wanting that position. The, the reason that people are trying to murder preaching and they're trying to murder prayer and they're trying to murder individual witnessing and they're trying to murder the hymns is because they want that position. And you know who the murderer is. It's the devil. Amen. Amen. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he uses a bunch of carnal Christians to do it. Amen. Amen. And Christians won't be honest about the thing. Just say I'm carnal. And I still like the music. My flesh still likes the music that it liked before. Amen. That's true. You know that's true? There's a funny feeling in here right now. But it's true. The funny feeling. Amen. Amen. Well, let's move on before somebody cries. <clears throat> well, he says in verse number 14, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You can be saved without works. you understand that? That's the only way you can be saved. You can be saved without works. And you're going to always be saved without works. And even through the judgment seat of Christ. And even through your daily life. You're going to be saved by faith. Not by works. But why do the works. And why go through the uh, mental gymnastics of doing all this stuff. If you don't want to receive a reward from it. If you want to receive a reward for it. Just go ahead and buckle down. Which takes some spirituality. Carnality kills buckling down. Unless you've got a love of money. Yeah. Love of money causes people to buckle down. Amen. Amen. That's absolutely true. Well, buckle down, do things the right way, then you can go through the process and get a reward for it. You're going through all this stuff about, well, we need to figure out how to redo this, or we need to figure out how to do this so we can enjoy it more. And then, but at the end of that day, you're going to lose the reward of your labor. Spend six months instituting some program in a church to get it all switched around, doing the things in ways that the Bible never indicated you ought to have done it, and spend all that time and all that administration and all that money spending and redecorating the building and putting in all kinds of crazy stuff just to make it flashier looking to the world. And then get nothing out of it. This is for nothing. But God, look at all this stuff we've done just to get people in. Jesus said, I died on the cross to get people in. But Jesus died on the cross to get people in. What what are you going to do? Except for open your mouth. And say, hey, Jesus died on the cross. So you can come to our church. (laughs) Amen. 
Amen? Jesus thought so much of you and so much of Faith Baptist Church that he died on the cross to get you there. Amen. Because he did. Now this church you understand is connected to the church that contains all believers from all time. Amen? All Christian believers from all Christian time. The Lord died to get you here. Your little $12 program that you sent off for online is not going to add to that. I promise you that. Well, what you're going to do is you're going to build on the foundation a bunch of wood that's going to burn up or hay or stubble. <laughs> I don't even know why. I mean, it makes sense. It's in the Bible, but... I don't even know why there's more than one classification. I'm sure there's a reason behind that, but if wood's going to burn up and stubble's going to burn up, what's the difference? Amen. But you know there's lazy people. They ain't carrying no wood. <laughs> That's true. We used to have to carry firewood when I was a boy. It's a lot easier to, to carry kindling. You get the wood, I'll get the kindling. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Some people are going to, they're busy in their mind. I'm going to do something for the Lord. What you going to do? I'm going to pass out some tracks. Nothing wrong with passing out tracks. Pass them out. Pass them out. I'm not saying you ought not to, but that's all you're doing. Let's, can we face something right in the face? God didn't call you to pass out tracks. God called you to witness. There's places all over that you can't open your mouth for the Lord. People are buzzing by. You've got to get them left and right. But God called, God called you to witness. But I promise you this. There are some, listen, there's people here in this church. They pass out tracks uh, faithfully and they witness faithfully. I'm not talking to you at all right now. I'm talking to people who have decided probably within a couple of months after they got saved. I am not telling anybody what I believe. And the, the, the way out of that is they put these papers out in the rack and I'm going to take those and I'm going to hand those out instead. And probably some, some preacher even told you I gave you the confidence that that was an out. You might find out it's killing. If in your heart, if in your heart that track is just a, an excuse Amen. For you to close your mouth and reject the clear commandment of God to preach the gospel and to be a witness for Jesus Christ, you're, you're just as well as carrying stubble Amen. and it's going to be burned up. Your work is based on shame. You understand the difference? The man that goes out and witnesses and opens his mouth and embarrasses the flesh and puts the flesh down, that's a guy that's, that's dealing with precious stones and gold and silver. The guy that's made up his mind in his heart, I'm not opening my mouth about this and embarrassing myself. I'll just, I'll leave a gospel track on the toilet paper holder at the, leave the track and steal the toilet paper. <laughs> Amen. It's probably happened, hasn't it? Yes, sir. It certainly has. Amen. Well, that's, a, that's, that's the mentality of Christians in a carnal age. Wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to get burned up. So this judgment that we're talking about shows up again in verse 16 and 17. Know ye not that, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if you want to go study the temple in the Old Testament, it has 
a sacrificial altar. It has a laver where you get washed up and cleansed up. It has an inner tabernacle. You know, a Christian has outward things and inward things. And that tabernacle on the inside, it has provision. It has light. It has an altar of incense. Prayer comes from the inside. Amen. Amen. Those things. And then it has a holy of holies. All those things can, can have great lessons in your Christian life. You're, but but the, the teaching here in the passage, he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. When he's talking about, when he says you or ye, he's talking about the church of Corinth. And of course, the doctrine expands to the whole church. You're the temple of God. Now that's true for individuals. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, we are all temples of the Holy Ghost. We're temples of God. But the church itself is, is the temple of God. Not just individuals. The church itself. Now, lost people can come in this building. Right? But it's talking about the inside of believers. He says, you're the, you're the temple of God. So, let's go back from the first part of the chapter. He starts out, you're carnal. Number two, you've got the answer, the foundation. Number three, you've got the opportunity. You can build on that foundation. But a lot of times the mindset is not there. Now see, this mindset about I'm not speaking up for the Lord. I'm just going to hand out tracts or I'm just going to go with somebody else while they do the knocking and they do the talking and they do the inviting. That kind of an attitude might come from just being ashamed of Jesus, but it might come from the fact that you're a chicken. Amen? How many people in this room have ever been chicken to open your mouth at some point in time? Amen. Sure, because we're a race of chickens. Amen. Just don't get caught in the building over it, Brother Kent. You might not, you might not make it out. Amen? <laughs> Big chicken house right here. <laughs> Amen. That's true. Big chicken house. Well, listen here. You've got something inside you that's more powerful and ought to be more encouraging Amen. encourage to feel with courage Amen. encourage I, I was depressed a little yesterday but now I'm encouraged no no you're a psychopath <laughs> you're talking about mental issues up and down we all have those we all have those people come up preacher I've got mental problems me too <laughs> Yeah. And before they can say anything, you got any tips for me? <laughs> Head off that whole conversation. I'm not a shrink or a psychiatrist. I'm crazy just like you. But sometimes, you know, you got these issues that go on, but the, the courage is a different thing. And I'll tell you this, a lot of times when I think about going door-to-door visitation or something like that, my flesh automatically says, no, sir. Oh, no. Oh, there's people out there. Amen. One of my, my wife got me a shirt for Christmas two years ago. It's got the Grinch, and it says it's too people out here. Yeah, that's true. This world is just too people There's too many people around. Strange people everywhere. But once I start knocking on doors... The whole world changes. Uh, the the attitude, the the there's no fear about talking to people. It's just and most of the time it turns out to be the best time I've ever had in my life. Amen. This is great. This is this is wonderful. This is what I was built. Uh, uh, according to Second Corinthians chapter five, this is what I was built for. 
The Bible says that you're new creatures in Christ. And then there's a purpose there. Ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. Be you reconciled to God. You're custom built for stuff like that. And once you're actually doing it, the Spirit of God begins to identify with you. And you're like, bold as a lion. Somebody answers the door with a gun. What you going to do with that? I ain't afraid of you. Shoot me and send me to heaven. I don't care. <laughs> then they'll be, afraid. they'll be afraid to fuss back. You got ten minutes or so to witness before they recover. Amen. Well, he says, he says, if any man's work, no, no, I'm, I'm past that. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. There's your holiness right there. There's your courage right there. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. So here again, he's going back to the first of the chapter. At the first of the chapter, you're carnal. You're dependent on Paul. You're dependent on Apollos. He said, no, he says... Uh, don't even depend on yourself and as far as the worldly wisdom goes. Some people, you know, and this happens in a lot of churches. Somebody makes a million dollars and somebody decides that fellow ought to be a deacon. Or somebody does something great in the community or, or has great achievements and they say, well, that guy right there, he ought to be, he ought to be in charge of a lot of stuff. And they put him right in. Because he has worldly wisdom. And it makes no sense. And churches usually get destroyed over stuff like that. That's worldly wisdom. How to make money. How to feed your family. Those are all good things. And those things I believe can be put in in the sense of the book of Colossians. As far as will worship. Touch not. Taste not. Handle not. The Bible says those have a show of wisdom in will worship. But Christianity is not will worship. Christianity is a new creature. Being born again, placed on a new foundation, being made a new creature and given a new purpose as an ambassador in Christ. All you got to do is open your mouth. A fool is known by what? A multitude of words. Amen? And that's not to say you should be foolish. The life you should live, though, will mark you as a worldly fool. The world will say, we're worldly wise, that guy is a fool. This guy is not, this guy is... Sometimes it even Christianity even looks like reckless abandon. Have you ever read the Bible? That guy's just thrown caution to the wind. God says, I like it. So much so that in the scripture it says, be careful for nothing. Right. Except COVID-19. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Absolutely. So he says, you don't trust in your own wisdom. You trust in the wisdom that you, you get when you sit down and start looking at this book and saying, hey, that's true. I believe that. Amen? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Now look at this. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. You know what the, one of the greatest mistakes that a, that a person who, who believes in all, with all their heart that they're called to preach? You know what one of the, the, the biggest mistakes that they make is a carnal mistake. They'll say, I'm after Paul. I'm after Apollos. I'm just like old Lester Roloff. Matter of fact, let me give you a hint that's going to help you in all stages of your life. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Because <laughs> whoever you're like, you're like a moron. 
Anyway, you're just a person. And Lester Roloff was just a person. That's right. In his case, he was a spiritual person. And when Lester Roloff was around, he owned the scene. He owned it. That's why God put Lester Roloff in Texas and he put Carl Lackey in North Carolina and he put Dr. Ruckman in Pensacola because they'd have killed each other if they'd have had to stay around each other for more than two or, two or three weeks at a time. You say, why? Because everything belonged to Carl Lackey and everything belonged to Lester Roloff and everything belonged to Pete Ruckman and everything belonged to any other preacher you could name. Harold Seitler in South Carolina and Billy Kelly in South Carolina. Whatever preacher you want to name, whatever Christian you want to name. This envy about, well, I'm going to grow up and be the next Billy Sunday. You're going to be a freak then. <laughs> I'm going to be the next Jack House. Well, you're going to be an idiot. People are going to laugh at you. That's right. You say, why? All things are yours. Why would you want to be like Paul? Or why would you want to be like Billy Kelly when you can be you? Amen. You own everything. You own it all. This is, this is my sermon. It's God's truth, but it's mine. Amen? Amen? God called me. God allowed me the grace to be able to preach. I don't have to sit around worried about who I'm, oh, I'm... Yeah, I tell you what, you know, I I come from a long line of this and I believe just like old... You don't have to worry about that stuff. That's just carnal thinking. You're right. Amen? Uh, the Roloffs and the Howes and the Lackeys, they had their day. Now they're dead. Yeah. And if God, listen, if God wanted them back, He'd resurrect them from the dead. <laughs> Amen. At which case, if one of them walks in, I'm walking out. Amen. Amen. If my dear old pastor walked in the back there this morning, I'm going to say, I'll see you all later. It's nice to see you, preacher, but I'm going the long way around. Amen. Because I see, I've been to his grave. Amen. I'm not interested in seeing him until we get back to that great resurrection day. Amen. Not interested in that. But this is what Paul says. He says, a, a real spiritual man is going to come to this conclusion. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've got a reward to lose or to gain. Uh, I'm not a sectarian, a Paul or Apollos. He said, but I, I followed Christ. I'm on a great foundation. I have a great calling. It's mine. Amen. And everything belongs to me. He said, that doesn't sound like a, uh, that sounds like a position of pride. It's not a position of pride. It's a position of ownership. You walk out in the backyard, you paid $400,000 for one of these crazy houses in Delaware that ain't worth $35,000. But you walk out in the backyard of that thing and you say, this is mine. You don't have to, I mean, I would be humble before God and say, thank you God for this fine home. But you don't have to go ask your neighbor's permission to enjoy your backyard. It's yours. It's yours. You don't have to go to the builder that built it and say, hey... Reckon I can have a barbecue in my backyard. Now, some people get together in the community and they sign they sign a paper that says, I won't park here and I won't put a flag up here. And that's ridiculous, man. That's your house. <laughs> Amen. And in the sense of Christianity, it's even better. Is that Jesus paid for everything and gave it to you. Amen. Amen. So uh, I don't think they like you to witness here. So what? Amen. Amen. You're going to get witness to them. I'll tell you about Jesus. If it's not for Jesus, the church doesn't even have any reason to be here. Right. Amen. We can be a great social outreach. 
the world already has those. It's, it's not our lane. It's not our job. Of course, Christianity, I believe, produces the best social effects that there is. I mean, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. What's wrong with that? Being a good Christian make you a good neighbor. Amen. Well, I'm not going to help my neighbor because he's not like me. You're not very loving as a Christian. You're not like God. And Jesus come all the way from heaven to die on the cross for you. Christianity unravel all your social hang-ups. Amen. Now, if your next-door neighbor goes to prison every three weeks for doing bad things, I would avoid it. Amen. There's some things you can do socially to help him. Pray for him. Amen. Preach to him all these things. But this is, this, is, this is the mindset now of a person who's no longer carnal. He's a spiritual man. He says, I have a God. I have a Savior. I have a new calling. I have, a, not, I have emphasis for reward. It's not just that I can go get a reward. It's either I'm going to get a reward or I'm going to suffer loss. And then you apply yourself correctly because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have to do it His way. And then you realize that this is the th- this. I'm going to read the Bible, and the Bible is going to tell me how to go about this life. And everything that this Bible offers to me and directs me to do, they're mine. I don't have to check it with last year's favorite preacher or last century's greatest preacher. Without fail, you meet a new preacher. Do you read Spurgeon? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have time for that. I have plenty of time to read, but I'm not into the fad preachers. Well, did you hear what Spurgeon said about this? Yes, and I also heard what Jesus said about it. Amen? Amen? Because this Bible is mine. It's not Spurgeon's. Well, brother so-and-so said this about that passage of Scripture. What do you think about that? What does the Bible say about it? That's a spiritual way to look at it. And then you come out at the end of the day, I wonder if Brother Roloff's proud of me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Roloff can't see you at all. God help us if there's people up in heaven watching our every move. Amen. Amen. I'm kind of I'm kind of self-conscious about the fact that God can see us all the time. Amen. Let's let's roll off. He's not Santa Claus. Amen. He sees you when you're bad or good. I'm trying to li- not trying to live according to the my favorite preacher. There's only one I've got to give an account to. And that's Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now that's not to say I can't leave pit, leave, live peaceably with all these crazy preachers. I'm not saying that. But certainly, if God's called you, He's given you a purpose. And He's given you a life. And He's given you everything that you need to go with that life. Amen? The day, the day will declare it. Every day. Every day. Thank you, dear God, for this opportunity. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to be here this morning. I pray you'd bless. I pray you'd bless each one, God, even if someone were to come in infected. I pray you'd protect us and help us. Many times, God, we think about taking precaution, but we forget to bow on our knees and ask the God of heaven to protect us. And Lord, we do ask you for your protection. And if you protect us, God, we could shake hands right with the most of infected. And Lord, we'd be safe. And Lord, we we don't mean to be foolish. I'm not encouraging people to be foolish like that. I'm just saying that we have the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies. And I pray you certainly would be merciful to us. Help us, God, as we come together. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. 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 All right, take a little break.